0: One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the show where we explore our guest's past by diving into the songs and the memories that those songs bring them back to. Our guest today is Janine Zeitlin. Janine is an investigative and enterprise journalist for the USA Today Network Florida. She's also written for The New York Times, The Washington Post, Vice, and BBC. Her journalism has received more than 50 state and national awards. Her reporting on Florida farm workers and migrant students during the pandemic was recently honored by the National Association of Healthcare Journalists and the National Education Writers Association. She's also the host of an upcoming podcast called The Last Ride, which investigates the disappearance of two men here in Florida more than a decade ago and recent developments in that case. On to the show.
1: Hey there, Janine. How are you?
2: Hi, good. How are you?
1: Thank you for doing this. Yes. It's nice to actually talk to you in person because I feel like we've worked around each other for years, but I don't know if we've really ever talked at length. I don't think so. I look forward to this. Um, Ginger-colored pets. Uh Uh-huh. What kind of pets?
2: (laughs) I have a cat, Nala, and uh, she she is like, you know, orange. (laughs) And then we have a dog named Cashew and he's a he's like 17 pounds he's a mutt we got him or as a rescue and he's crazy he's like a mix of chihuahua pitbull whippet and um sometimes they like actually sit and... Are together.
1: Uh, so a dog and a cat. Dog and a cat. I was hoping mm-hmm. there was some other kind of animal be ginger color.
2: But they match. It was unintentional. Our pets match, and they're about the same size.
1: That is great. Okay, so when you were driving here this morning, were you listening to music in the car? I was. What were you listening to?
2: I was listening to WGCU HD 2. Oh, so you were mm-hmm. listening to our a classical. classical I listener. I do. I am a classical listener, and uh, any any drive that's like below a half an hour, it's usually... H-D-2, W-D-C-U.
1: That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, were you in around this area when we took um, classical off the air?
2: Yes, and I was sad about that. Did
1: you take that hard?
2: Yeah, I did. It was hard. It was hard. And I, I think what you put it on, I, for a while I could listen online. I think mm-hmm. I could stream it um but i liked having it throughout the day and only when i got my new car did i was able to get the hd2 option and you were like hallelujah yes i was very happy about that
1: (laughs) you uh, you know who else took it really hard who roger williams did he oh he took it so hard he wrote letters (laughs) (laughs) um do you listen to terrestrial radio yeah. So not the HD.
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I listen to you guys. Uh, I listen to WGCU, but I mean, I, musically, musically, not as much like okay. I'll turn on like a mix from Spotify or like an or a podcast. That's not music. Usually if I'm in the car for longer,
1: we'll get to podcasts later. Okay. <laughs> uh, so where'd you grow up?
2: I grew up in Ottawa, Illinois, which is south of Chicago. Do you know is, it,
1: is it Canadian?
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not, I don't know Ottawa at all. It's Ottawa, Can it's not Ottawa, Canada. We always have to say that. Um it's a small town. It's a river town. It's historic. It was the site of the first um uh, debate between Lincoln and Douglas. Oh. Yeah. And we are also known as a site uh, for radioactive <laughs> uh, material where like back, I'm not sure when it was exactly, but there's a book called Radium Girls. And it talks about Ottawa is one of the locations where the women used to... Um, use radioactive materials to paint oh, clock faces. I like, am
1: familiar with yeah. that story. Maybe not that town. It probably happened in more than just there. But.
2: Yeah, it was there in New Jersey. And so the women used to paint like um, their like faces. The, ra- like, you know, the radium dials yeah. on things.
1: And then they would, yeah.
2: Play with it. And so they'd like put it on their bodies and then they uh, They obviously would die. So. Pre-OSHA. Pre-OSHA, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now there's a statue, there's like a statue in our town kind of dedicated to the Radium Girls.
1: Hmm. Um, what was the musical background of your childhood there?
2: So mostly I would say church and Suzuki strings. I played violin. Oh,
1: as a, starting young.
2: Starting very young. I was um, Our house was small and my mom wanted us to learn an instrument so violin was an option, and I started on Cracker Jack box when I was like four, and um, my brother too, so I played on and off up until about high school. So I wasn't particularly good, but I enjoyed it.
1: What made you decide to stop?
2: I think I was just so busy with like high school stuff, Um, and then I also played clarinet, and it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't cool And at that time. <laughs> and I think I was a little bit, you know, I was a little bit in that stage where I wanted to be cool. But then I picked it back up again my senior year and like took a couple classes when I was in college. And I actually, my husband just, um, Bought me a violin for Christmas. Have you busted it out yet? I did. Yeah, we, I played "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star" <laughs> like with my daughter, who's learning the trombone. So like it was pretty magical to feel that muscle memory because honestly, it had been you know more than twenty years since I had a violin up to my shoulder, and so I've been like I've been able to like remember some of the songs mm-hmm. and. So
1: what was uh, what were you being exposed to musically in terms of like, you know, what were your parents playing? What were you hearing around you? What were the bands that you were being influenced by?
2: So um, I would say, I mean, church, honestly, that's like hymns. (laughs) Um, My mom was a big singer in church choir and my. My grandmother was had a beautiful voice as well she was a soprano so when we, we'd go to church every Sunday and we went to Lutheran Church and um, they were like probably the loudest singers in the church and
1: were you a singer too
2: um, I, I I did sing in the children's choir and then I was part of the community like children's choir for a while the Friendly city. Sounds
1: friendly city sounds friendly city
2: sounds friendly city. So that was Ottawa that like, is known as the friendly city, too. Along with is it friendly? It is friendly, super friendly. Yeah, it's friendly. I love to go back there. I love to go back there.
1: So, what about like music of the time? Where you it sounds like so far you've you've, you've you haven't brushed up against like you know rock and roll or country or popular music
2: yeah uh my dad was really into ccr he's still really into ccr so he had a bunch of old vinyl albums that we'd play periodically and we listened to the oldies uh station the oldies station was in i'm not sure why but it was based in like a holiday inn in our town (laughs) so we'd like visit the oldies station and i actually recorded a uh a commercial for them at one point. <laughs> like, what I found kind of it. Commercial is that? <laughs> it was, I think they just wanted a young voice, like on the oldie station. It was just like, I found it because it was in a holiday inn or, you know, some kind of chain hotel. Uh. Yeah. Um, Oldies 96.5 or whatever it was. I don't remember the call. Um, but yeah. So, and then I did like I, popular music as a kid. I really loved the soundtrack to Annie. And I think the first, uh, like, piece of music I bought my myself was the um, single, like, Hey, Mickey, You're So Fine by Tony Basil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I had that memorized. <laughs> and I would, you know, my friends and I would just, like, dance to it. And... But
0: do you remember Ricky Lake using that? As a promo song, no. Nor do I.
2: No. I
0: don't, Mike. I don't imagine you watched a lot
1: of Ricky Lake. I've heard the name. <laughs> <laughs> I know she was on TV. Yeah. I mean, it wrote itself, right? Hey, Ricky, you're right? I yeah, didn't like, know they just that. Used it. Yeah. I'm just. That's so funny. (laughs) Um, So, so that was the first. What would her be the first musician that you were intrigued by?
2: Yeah, yeah. But I listened to. You know, honestly, like I played it for my kids because sometimes when you have music that like meant something to you a long time ago I'll play it for my kids just to see their reaction and they were like totally uninterested <laughs> but uh, it was just so fun and I think the it was, the video was so fun and yeah and I could you could sing along to it too I, I like that aspect of it
1: were your parents cool with that kind of music yeah definitely okay. definitely church draws a line sometimes yeah
2: yeah they were they were fine it wasn't like um they weren't conservative we weren't conservative family it was just uh you were lutherans yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Well,
1: we'll just leave that there okay uh, let's get to your <laughs> let's get to your first song
2: so should i should i introduce it
1: um well you can okay or, you know how would you like to proceed
2: I don't know. okay so these this song the lyrics were important to me so maybe we listen to it first Okay. Okay. All
1: right, this is Janine Zeitlin's first song here on Three Song Stories. This is Conversation Piece" by David Bowie off his 1969 album Space
2: Oddity. And I can't see the water Ooh, That's, the that, that's so, so weird. Like, it's so weird to have, it's almost, like, surreal to hear. That song is so transportative to me that it's so strange to hear it in a studio now. But it takes me to, So I. Like, Grew up on the back of a cornfield and uh, on a lane. So if I wanted to walk anywhere, you had to walk on the road around cornfields. So I would put it on my Discman. It was like my senior year of high school when I was thinking about leaving home and heading to college. And um, so it takes me to that time period when I was just walking a lot because I had a lot of anxiety about leaving and like also wanted to kind of resolve things too and figuring out who I was as well. It was a time period when I was figuring out who I was and where I wanted to go. Um, And I connected with the lyrics. Um, He talks about, you know, walking. (laughs) So (laughs) that's the start, but also, you know, I'm, I'm a thinker, not a talker and just not being able to express himself verbally. And, you know, I, I felt like that was who I was at that time too. And I still struggle with that. I'm, at my core, I'm an introverted person, so it takes effort <laughs> for me to be extroverted, or even to express myself. But be- I was able to express myself through writing, and I learned that pretty early on. So I, my grandmother, my nana, gave me journals, and I'd write in journals, and I'd write essays. And you know, David Bowie talks about essays lying scattered mm-hmm. on the floor with nothing. Uh, that just so serve their purpose just by being there, and that's kind of how it was for me too. Like I didn't want my writing to be seen, but then I also discovered that like I was also a pretty good writer. So I was the yearbook editor, and I became a teen columnist for the the local newspaper as well. And Does I felt
1: column have a name.
2: Um, it was just teen like teen columnist, oh, okay. and then it would be like my name, like my name, you know. So I was one one of a panel of teen columnists in the the Daily Times in Ottawa. And um, I felt like that was a way for people to know me when I couldn't really, I didn't really feel like people knew me otherwise, you know, at least aside from my close friends and close teachers and family.
1: So if you were listening on your Disc Man, was this, you were listening to Space Oddity? Or was it? Yeah. Were, were we at a point where we could make mixed CDs yet?
2: No, we were. I was listening to Space Oddity. Uh-huh. So Space Oddity also like has a song, <laughs> Janine on it that's spelled the same way. So I also kind of took that as a sign, like, oh, this David Bowie is this is my this is my CD. Like this is my this CD speaks to me, and it really did at that time in my life. But I that particular song, I would just play it on repeat over and over and i'd sing it as well like it was also a release so you know i can't like i would i would sing where you know he couldn't see the i can't see the road for the tears in my eyes and i was feeling that too like leaving home and i was going to new york city which was a big change i was going to attend nyu so i was feeling that weight as well
1: do you remember the first time you listened to that song in new york city
2: that's a good question. I'm. I mean, it was probably on a walk too. Like, it's. I associate with it. I was wondering, it, it seemed walking. like there would
1: be this, like, suddenly that song was like part of why it's still here today. But yeah. suddenly you're like, I'm here. I did it.
2: Yeah. yeah. You know, I do remember. I don't remember hearing, like, listening to that song in particular but while I was walking, but I do remember, like, walking in New York City and seeing, like, the glitter kind of on the sidewalks that sometimes you see in cities and it was like oh like this is magical it was you know it, that song kind of helps me get there and then i was listening to different less maybe less sad music right
1: Less <laughs> pensive music yeah. um was new york city the goal all along or did you wind up going there because you got a scholarship or whatever well did you dream of the big apple
2: I, lo- I loved cities. I love Chicago. Like I love just being, honestly, I think I kind of liked the, well, I like the energy of a city, but I also like the anonymity of a city being in a small town where you feel like People know everything, mm. and my parents were both teachers in the town too. So, like everybody, like oh, Mrs. Zeitlin or Mr. Zeitlin and have things to say, and you know. So it was kind of I was always intrigued by the anonymity of a city as well.
0: So Like counterintuitively, you can be more of an introvert in a city <laughs> right. because you can, no one really knows or cares. You're
2: anything. right. You can just disappear, and may, that's a very good that's a very good observation, Richard.
1: <laughs> so you went to NYU.
2: I went to NYU. Mm-hmm. And
1: you pursued writing, journalism, yeah, creative yeah. writing. What kind of, paint that picture. Um,
2: it was it was journalism. And I should answer your question a little more completely too. My grandparents both went to NYU. They were oh, raised gotcha. in. gotcha.
1: So you had a kind of a.
2: Yeah. So they were kind of, they were into it as well. So my Nana and my grandpa and they were New Yorkers. So they were like, they, they loved New York and I think they passed that when I started thinking about like NYU because I got a brochure in the mail and I was like, this looks exciting. And I had, we had visited as well and I had kept a little like rubber eraser of the Statue of Liberty for some reason that I got as a souvenir and I kept it in my, um, like near my bed. So it kind of just implanted in me. So journalism, journalism. Um, I was a good writer, and I like—I was a curious person, and it just seemed like a natural fit. I wanted to also make change in the world, and that seemed like the best option. I was thinking about social work, but then that also seemed a little too hard, so <laughs> I chose journalism.
1: Did you make it through in the proper amount of time?
2: I did because <laughs> NYU is very expensive, so there was no question. I worked way too hard in college. Like looking back on it now, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I can just, I should have just relaxed a little bit. But yeah.
1: Did you have any paying gigs for your writing while you were in college, or do you remember your first paying gig?
2: Yeah, I I wrote for the the school newspaper a little bit, and they gave you like a small a small amount um, of money, and then I was pain i mean i had internships so they were non-paying. vain i worked for like an art, art and auction which was an art magazine and then I, I was an intern at the new york daily news which was really fun too
1: uh musical memories associated with your time in college in new york
2: um ska, ska i would say like i have I, one of my best concert memories is i one of my close friends is really into death metal, John, uh, John Neeson, and who he might be good for him on the show, but he's in New York. Um, so he's really into death metal, but I'm not really into death metal. But we had like a crossover band that we both liked, Mephiscopheles. Which do you know, Mephischoleus? No, is this going to be? Is this going to be ska? Ska.
3: Ska.
0: (laughs) I'm excited by the name. Is that ska and death metal?
2: Yes. Yeah. It's like get on YouTube, Richard. Yeah, I'm on it. It's playfully. You can look up Bumblebee Tuna. That's that's like their. yeah, Yeah, that's like our Doomsday. That's another one. So it's like playfully satanic ska. That's how maybe you would describe it. I enjoy that description very much for this guest. <laughs> we so you, are
1: pulling it up. So you got to see them live?
2: Yeah, we. I got to see Well, okay, so Mephiscopheles was playing with guar. Does anybody oh no know guar? Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. I okay. have so many guar stories. This
4: is amazing. <laughs> it kind of has Primus vibes a little yeah. too, you know? Uh-huh.
0: I'm watching. I'm watching Mike try to find a place to grip, to grip it. See Mike, there it's
2: we go. It's so fun.
0: <laughs> I can get down with this. It's, it's so
2: like, fun. <laughs> it's crossover. It's their cro- I think it was their crossover I mean, like song. If you
1: if you like Moxy Fruis, there's some. There's <laughs> no. It definitely something. took a Moxy was turn there after yeah. the breakdown. <laughs> after the.
2: So okay, so Guar and Memphis were playing at the Bowery Ballroom in New York. So my friend John and I were like, okay, here's something we can see together. So we went to see. Um, I think Mephiscopheles was opening, um, and then Guar came on. And I think it was them at the time that was doing like the meat gr- meat grinding. Of the, do you know? Do you know Guar? Like Guar's yeah. has part of it where they put like a woman in a meat grinder. And uh, that was too much for me. So, like, I went... They do a lot with
4: go- uh, guar. <laughs> gore and yeah. um, stage theatrics <laughs> that are extremely inappropriate. The um, yes. There's a mind. lot of... They wear a lot of very uh, mm, codpiece situations. Yes. Anyway,
2: yeah. <laughs> but it was fun to watch. I, just, I I left for the meat grinding part. I was like, this is too much. But, like, it was it was fun to watch. But I was there for me- Mephiscopolis and, like, skanking because I loved to skank and... When I was thinking about this...
1: You tell by my face that I was trying very hard. To, no, I was trying to figure out what that means okay. through context. All
2: right. Okay. All right.
1: What does that mean?
2: It's just like dancing to ska music, like okay. together. That's what I was you know?
1: assuming.
3: Yeah.
2: And, and it wasn't during the time when like moshing was also popular, but I didn't like to do that because it was like too aggressive for me. But like skanking, you could dance and it's a very easy dance. And you might like throw an elbow or you might like bump into somebody, but it was never like harmful. It was just like all joyful, fun play. It's not like
4: hipster moshing. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, it's more friendly. It's a little more friendly. Um, but yeah, you can throw some, throw some bows to yeah, you, exactly. skank in the pit. To, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: And it's so fun. Like I was, when I was thinking about coming here, I was like, where can a 43 year old woman skank in Southwest Florida? Cause like I miss it. There's like, uh, it's been yeah twenty five years. I since I think I've if done anybody
1: it. knows where it's Tara.
4: <laughs>
2: okay, where 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 could I do that? You Tara? could go probably to Ollie's uh, pub,
4: which is downtown Cape Coral. Um, that depends on the show too. Uh, the Free Coasters—they're like a reggae ska band—and my uh, roommate is actually the front woman of that band. Oh, nice! Uh, so you can look out for them. But nice guys, uh, Ollie's, yeah, those kinds of places. Okay, so. great. Get that get get get
2: her skank on. I know, I would love to do that. <laughs> the closest I get to it is like water aerobics now. So that's the closest <laughs> I get to that
1: feeling. I think we just have a new generic promo. <laughs> <laughs> um uh I'm trying to decide which way to go. Sorry, next. I
2: totally detoured. No, that's great. That's
1: what we're here for. Um, do you still listen to that kind of music today?
2: No, not really. But like when I was thinking about it, this—you know—sometimes I'll turn it on, like especially when like we're at home or playing at the pool or something. It's just fun to like listen to it with my kids.
1: What's your husband think of it?
2: Oh, he likes it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you guys have uh, musical tastes that diverge at all, or are they aligned?
2: Yeah, we both like like Bossa Nova. Um, and he likes French pop. Like he'll put put in like and French pop videos are just so fun to watch. And um there's a uh like a current artist who, Jane, who's she's a really good French pop artist right now that we like and the girls like.
1: Okay, well we will get back to your arc into a career in journalism, okay. but we're gonna do your second song Okay. Now. Which is the revolution rock. Yes would you like to tell a story?
2: Sure yeah so this this song I associate with like the per- first kind of perfect day in my memory of uh, as an adult like the like when when you have like a day like that and you're like, wow, this day everything went well and it just has kind of like a glisten to it. So this is a song that I associate with with um, that kind of feeling and that first time I remember feeling that as an adult. so I studied abroad in my junior year in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and we lived across the street from a bar named Salo and there was a um, a bartender there who was just really beautiful. We all had crushes on him. His name was Olivier and he, I think he was like friend he was like French Argentine. And had hazel eyes, and we just spent a lot of time. (laughs) We spent a lot of time there. Um, But none of us, like, wanted, you know, we were just... He was kind of just an object of of affection, you know. And um, so it was kind of like a perfect bar, too, because it was, like, right across the street and kind of really safe for young women to be drinking and, you know, going to your apartment. And um, so one day he invited us, like... Finally, after just hanging out there for a long time to come to his house and his apartment and do like una parilla, which is like an Argentine barbecue. You put it on a grate and a lot of that's very common in Argentina on Sundays and, you know, you eat all kinds of meat in different parts. So it's the first time I had blood sausage. And so his roommates and did that for us and um we watched soccer and drank lots of red wine and then they're like hey los fabulosos are giving a concert like do you guys want to go and it was free and so we're like sure and uh so we went down and it was just this like first the concept of a free concert like los fabulosos are like very big um rock stars in argentina and so um, the fact that they would even give a free concert was kind of amazing for their fans. And uh, they played this song, and the crowd just went crazy, and everyone was just joyful and and, and dancing. And like, it, also, some of the lyrics are like, everything's going to be okay, like, dance until you drop. And it was a really powerful feeling to feel that sense of belonging in a foreign country. I just felt like I kind of blended into the crowd and everyone was just joyful, you know, as, as the song and other songs played as well. And I was starting to understand the song, the lyrics too, a little bit. That's where I started to become fluent in Spanish.
1: Were you familiar with the band before this moment?
2: No. So this was
1: like your introduction?
2: Yeah, this was my introduction to them and I really like them. I think they've like collaborated with David Byrne or something like that. but. Huh.
1: Well, let's listen to it. Okay. Imagining you in that moment. Uh, so it's Revolution Rock, uh-huh. and the band is called Los Fabulosos. Cadillacs. Cadillacs. Uh-huh. Released in 1988
2: on their album... Ritmo Mundial.
1: Thank you for doing that. <laughs> this is Janine Zeitlin's second song on this episode of Free Song Stories.
2: It's just kind of joyful. Like, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Like... Yama like jama like your your old lady y- like call your old man like you know it's just a lot of like fun
1: <laughs> what was the last time you listened to it
2: um honest like sometimes i'll play los fabulosos like just to hear them because i like other songs of theirs too so um probably in the last few years
1: easy pick for this show
2: yeah, that one was an easy pick. It was like which what would but which one would best kind of express
1: that time and yeah, place that time. And Do place. you keep up with any of the folks you were hanging out with during that time?
2: Um not really. Just like on Facebook. Um but I don't know how much biography you want. (laughs) That's a
1: line for you to draw.
3: Okay, so well, I'll
2: share it because yeah, in Argentina I met my first husband so yeah and it was like a starter, it was kind of a starter marriage Um, so that didn't last very long but so yeah, I kept up with him for a while.
1: (laughs) Did he come back to the States with you or did you live there?
2: Uh, Yeah, we went back and forth for a while. So we did long distance. And then when I moved, he was part of the reason I moved to, I chose Florida also because it was a good newspaper state. I thought it would be an easier transition for him because he was uh, only a Spanish speaker at the time. And um, then, so he was here, he was kind of going back and forth and then 9-11 happened and he couldn't get a visa. And we had to decide, okay, are we going to get married or end the relationship. So we decided to get married and it lasted maybe like two years. Gotcha. I was in my early 20s and mid-20s. And now I think of like people that age and I'm like, don't get married so early. <laughs> children. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> um, so before you ended up in Florida for a newspaper job, what was your first job in journalism?
2: My first job in journalism... Well, internships, like, but this was my in Florida was my first. So this was your first. Yeah, this okay. was my first job, Marco Island. I was, um, I was hired by the Naples Daily News to be in their Marco Island bureau. Huh. Yep. <laughs> it was at at the time, like, it was newspaper boom times. So we honestly we had this huge office and we had two staffs. One which was for like the Marco Eagle and one which was for the Marco Daily News. So, um, like, there was like twenty people covering Marco Island.
1: <laughs> Those were different times. Those are
2: different that's times. A crazy
1: sentence. That's,
2: yeah. That's... How many people
1: live on Marco Island? Do you think?
2: Um, I think there was like fifteen thousand when I was there, and that would go up. Like, during twenty the... people. <laughs> it was hard to find stories. Yeah. You'd like it. Lear- it taught me how to be like really diligent in finding stories because sometimes we just ride around the island like. Luckily, I could cover Everglades City, though, too, so yeah. that was part of my beat, so that was really interesting to me, like, going into the Everglades, so that was, not that, you know, no digs on Marco Island, but it was, it was a, it was like a rude awakening uh, to get there.
1: Had you spent any time in this part of the world before coming here?
2: No, just, uh, just Disney World, Gotcha. You know?
1: I was gonna ask you if there's culture shock, but if you just spent a bunch of time in South America... Probably not that much culture shock from coming from either cornfields or New York City.
2: Yeah, it was a culture shock, though, I would say. But it was, uh, Marco was a culture shock. <laughs> yeah, I've so, been there once. <laughs> oh, my I, goodness. I've been really? there
1: once. I went there one time.
2: It's beautiful, but like people. it got
1: a lot of tall buildings.
2: a lot of tall buildings. <laughs> yeah, Marco was a culture shock. I do remember like when I first got there, I was in this like, condo. It was like a short-term rental and it looked out on a bay and uh, it was really impressive to see the weather here. It was because it was in the summertime and I remember like just tropical storms. That was like gorgeous. I kind of fell in love with the weather of that kind of weather and the skies and But I was in, like, this, like, older person's condo that was decorated with seashells. That was the culture shock. I can
1: picture that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So how long did you work the Marco Beat before you moved on to some other role within the organization?
2: Oh, about 18 months. Okay. Yeah. And
1: then what did you do next?
2: Um, Then I went to Bonita, and then I went to Naples. Um, Yeah. And I feel like because it's musical, I got really tired of driving to Marco, and I would turn on the Ramones and sometimes flip off the island as I came in. So. <laughs> okay. I can, that's a great image. Yeah. Um,
1: before we get a little further into the work that you've done, um, we, you talked about you know having 20 people to cover Marco Island. Yeah. You know – you, what did you call it? The glory days of, new, yeah, right? the, of the, boom the boom times. Yeah, it was the boom times. So you're still with Naples Daily News, which is now part of USA Today Network. So it's all kind of just been merged down. Can you reflect on the size of the team now versus the size of the team then? Is it, yeah. is it 25% as big? Is it 10% as big?
2: So let's see. Um, that's a good question because so after Naples, then I left for a year and I went to travel and then I went to Miami New Times, and then I went to the news press. okay, gotcha. So it's hard to say, but yeah, I mean, basically two it's maybe fifty percent like two basically two newspapers became one. Gotcha. and that's about the staff size. I
1: always reflect on back when they had you know reporters at the high school football games. Now that they don't even have, I'm sorry, I don't mean to harsh on newspapers, but now we don't even have people at the county commission meetings, let alone the high school football games. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely a different time. Yeah,
2: and yeah, Bonita, we were like two, there's the Bonita Daily News and then the news press also had a Bonita Bureau. And I think there was probably like 15 people in the, um, the Naples Daily News Bureau of Bonita when I was there. And the news press also had a handful of people, and now there's no Benita Bureau. You know, there's no Bonita Bureau. It doesn't exist physically. <laughs> so,
1: Do you have a favorite story that you've covered over the years?
2: Oh, my goodness. I've covered so many stories. I don't have...
1: Maybe favorite's not the right word. Yeah.
2: Hmm. I have a lot of stories that I have enjoyed doing. I kind of... Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've done some like serial narratives where I've gotten really deep into people's lives. Um, and, um, so that those have been really fulfilling cause you like people allow you into their lives and they're vulnerable before you. And I'm still in touch with some of those, um, people and, um, but in terms of like actual change, it's fulfilling to see to do a story and like I did some reporting in Charleston Park and their bad water the situation. The water situation, yeah, I remember yeah. That. And a bunch of people got together after that reporting and um, put together like a coalition to bring reverse osmosis systems into the community. So that was that was super. Like as a journalist, that's a moment when you're like. Oh, you know, it really makes you feel good about the work that you're doing.
1: Um, have you done any work covering the skunk ape? I I knew the answer to that question. (laughs) That was a fun story.
2: Oh, my gosh. That was so fun. Tell our listeners
1: the nexus between skunk apes and uncooked lima
2: beans. (laughs) So you're supposed to set out lima beans to, like, attract the skunk ape. So, you know, if you want to attract the skunk ape, you can create little piles, get some lima beans, and maybe the skunk cake will appear. Dave Sheely is also one of my favorite Southwest Florida characters. I don't know if you've ever interviewed him. I've
1: not interviewed him. I would love to. I did in the, uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. I ran a bar downtown called Liquid Cafe, and he would come through there. So I kind of knew him socially mm-hmm. during a very wild time in the world for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, tell our listeners then what a skunk ape is, because certainly somebody listening is like, "What are they talking about?"
2: Okay, so the skunk ape—it's a good question. I mean, I can't—I don't really know how you define a skunk ape, but it's like it's like, like floor, Foot, its like Florida, Florida, Florida,
1: Big Bo- Florida Bo- bigfoot, Florida bigfoot, yeah. Florida yeti, Florida yeah. Sasquatch,
2: Florida bigfoot, <laughs> and it's kind of like you know, there's been some sightings in the Everglades, and there's been some talk that it could be. Dave Sheely or his brother dressed up as the ape, But there's also been some sightings in the Sarasota area as well. And when I spent some time with da- at Dave Sheely's place, like, he let us camp on his grounds. Like, he also said, and I'm not sure, like, the exact historical accuracy of the statements, but... Like that there is some lore and that maybe there... It goes deeper back than him. Right. Right. Back than him that um, maybe the skunk ape exists.
1: I, you didn't think you were going to be talking about it. No, I didn't, today, that between, between this and the Les Stroud episode. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, before we get to your third song, let's talk about Last Ride.
2: Okay, all right. Uh,
1: tell our listeners what that is. This is a podcast that you've been working on in collaboration with us here at the station on a story about.
2: It is about two men who vanished um, in... 2003 and 2004, three months apart, after that they were last, um, they were both last seen with the same sheriff's deputy and they've never been seen again. And the sheriff's deputy um, has never been arrested or charged in the disappearances.
1: And you've interviewed a lot of people. Yeah. And it, it seems like there's a lot of loose ends. Fair to say.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, the sheriff's deputy was fired. There were a lot of inconsistencies in his statements. And I've been going through the polygraphs that he did back in 2004. And um, he failed one of the polygraphs. So the polygraphs are problematic. Some people say they're total junk. So but he did lie in his statements.
1: So, if you came here not too long after nine eleven that would have you covered it back then, right? And I, that would have been maybe one of your first like bigger stories.
2: That was one of my first investigative stories. So when I moved to the Naples office, um I forget someone told me about the story, and I was like, well, I haven't heard heard that um And so I looked into our archives, and the Naples paper hadn't done very much and so i asked my editor can we do some more reporting and uh or can i do some more reporting and so i did and i did my first story on that in january 2006 um but the men disappeared the second man disappeared terrence williams in january 2004 um so that's it it happened when i was in bonita So I wasn't really aware about it until I came to Naples.
1: Could you even have imagined at the time that 16 years later you would still be working on this story?
2: No, not at all. It's one of those stories that definitely has stuck with me, though. It's like haunted me. And um, I'm friends with uh, Facebook friends with Terrence Williams's mother. So I'll see periodic updates. And it's just kind of like one of those. I honestly thought it would be solved when I was when I first did the story, I was like, they'll find out, they'll find something someday. And they're just, um, they just never have. And it seems like, Oh, there'll be some, there's, like when Tyler Perry got involved, I was very hopeful, like something's going to happen. And, and then there was a lawsuit in 2018 and something's going to happen, but it's just never no resolution.
1: How has the process of putting a podcast together been?
2: Painful. <laughs> it's
1: a lot of, lot of it's, a, it's a can with a lot of worms it in it. It is, it is,
2: it is. It's painful, but fulfilling. Like, I've, it's um, it's the deepest story, you know, that I've done because it feels like I'm writing a book at this point.
1: Well, it'll be released at some point called The Last Ride. Yes. Uh, it's mm. the third song time.
2: Okay. You, we can play that one first.
1: We can play that one mm. first. I'm going to let you say
3: it.
2: Okay.
1: Um, so this is...
2: Le Negres Vert Um that's the song sorry I'll say the song first then Voila La Ete and Le Negres Vert
1: and it's off their
2: 1988 album Mla <laughs> your guess is good of mine
1: M-L-A-H Mla it's Janine Zeitlin's final song on this week's episode of Free Song Stories what language is that?
2: French. I thought, okay, I, I
1: didn't want to assume. Um, okay, what's the story?
2: Okay, so, um, so after my disastrous first marriage, I met my my current husband, and, whose name is Mark, and uh, we got married. He he's from France, and um, we got married in the south of France in a vineyard um, where his parents have a home, and after afterwards we like traveled around Corsica and um so because it was the summertime that song was playing on the radio a lot it's like it's summer summer's here you know it's summertime again so uh it was just really good memories of driving around France newly newly married and then when we got back to southwest Florida um I was not like it was kind of a, a shock because <laughs> I... It's
1: not South France. It's
2: not South France. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and and I was in my 30s then. And so, like, in my 20s, they were kind of filled with these global adventures. Like, I studied in Madrid. I traveled alone in Guatemala. And I was living in Miami for a while. So it was a shock to be like, okay, now this is, this is south- Southwest Florida is your home. And this song really kind of represents that time when Southwest Florida became home um because I soon after um I became pregnant with our first daughter and then we had a second and um we decided to you know settle here. my husband's a coastal engineer um and we we met here he's got he had a work when before we got married he his work visa was tied to his job here so you know southwest Florida really had to be home when if we need if we wanted to be together um and so uh so the song kind of I hear it in two different ways because sometimes I'm really really happy to be here like I'm like it's summer it's like summer all the time and like when you're in the pool or when you're in the Everglades and you know, when you have the beautiful skies and it's summer, but then there are definitely moments that I hear it differently. Like, okay, it's still summer. Yeah, go summer away summer. Again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so the lyrics I hear differently depending upon my mood about uh, Florida in the moment.
1: <laughs> you guys ever put that on a dance to it?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's definitely like one of our songs. Yeah. Do you
1: get to go back and spend time there. He still has connections there I presume. yeah, his whole
2: family is there, so we we're actually going back in um a couple of weeks it will be uh three three years since he's seen his family because of his because of the pandemic, so this is the first time but we used to go like every other year
1: uh how old are your daughters?
2: They are twelve and seven.
1: Um, has the 12-year-old come home with any music yet that made you raise your eyebrow?
2: No, it's funny you should ask that because she's like a super old soul. So what she listens to is even um, even earlier than what I listen to. So she really is into the Andrews sisters Oh, and Louis Armstrong right now. <laughs>
1: Where'd she come across <laughs> that? Just YouTube?
2: Yeah, just just Spotify. Just, yeah, yeah. I think I forget how Andrew's sisters, how she came across the Andrew's sisters. But through the band, I think she's gotten into jazz. And ah, so is
1: so she playing middle school band?
2: Yeah, she plays in middle Where? school band at Three Oaks okay. Middle. Trombone Shorty. That's not one she has, like, introduced me she's to. She's a trombone player? Trombone player. My mm-hmm. daughter played trombone for three years in oh, middle school. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. I, like, it's amazing <laughs> that she's, she's doing it. It's like a, it's a big instrument to carry around. But. <laughs>
1: has the younger one uh, developed any musical sensibilities yet?
2: Not yet. Like, she she, cut, she likes, like, the French pop that my husband will put on, like, Jane. They, they all like Jane. And she likes – there's, like, this one um – they've been watching The Simpsons a lot lately, and uh there's this one old song. I can't think of the name of it now, but I could ask them <laughs> that they play all the time, and I'm like, enough, so.
1: <laughs> do you speak French?
2: Uh I speak, like, un petit peu. Pas très bien. <laughs> like, I can do, like, basic sentences – Um, But not very well. I understand a lot.
1: Do you speak any other languages besides Spanish?
2: No. Just just a little rough French.
1: A little rough French.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, Musicals. Musicals. You into musicals at all?
2: Um, Yeah, I like to watch them. Like, my parents used to take us. You said
1: Annie.
2: Annie. I liked Annie. I remember seeing Starlight Express uh, and Big River, and my, my parents would take us to a lot of musicals. And w- my husband and I, we like uh, we liked Hamilton, of course, a lot, and like Come From Away, Come From Away when uh-huh. it was here. And I just watched West Side Story. My husband didn't, wasn't into that one, but I, d- I was I couldn't I like them.
1: Uh, what about movie musicals?
2: movie musical
1: I guess Annie again yeah did <laughs> you watch the live Annie they did last year with I Harry Connick Jr.? I
2: did I did and I had the girl I had my kids watch it too they got to see it I was just late. so proud
1: of the girl that played Annie yeah she you know, was it tremendous just was just like, I was just proud of that yeah, yeah
2: she was tremendous it was weird
1: seeing Harry Connick with the bald thing on
2: yeah it. <laughs> it was a little distracting I couldn't unsee it <laughs> I know I agree it was it was like oh, oh no couldn't you just shave your head for this one because yeah <laughs> yeah
1: Um. Okay. Okay, uh we're going to speed round. Okay. Uh nickname. Do you have a nickname that's stuck over the course of your life that you'd be willing to share with us?
2: Oh gosh. Um not really. I mean, people like nothing that has stuck with me. It's stuck. Okay. That's good <laughs> enough.
1: Um carry Oh, out. I'm sorry. Oh? Yeah,
2: maybe a little bit. Jay-Z
1: jay-z jay-z i guess yeah. that makes sense yeah mm-hmm. i was able to sort that out pretty quick
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> what's your middle name anna jazz
2: jazz yes. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, was one that was one it didn't stick but that was one nickname over the years
1: uh karaoke
2: um i've done it once with Were you um, dragged into it No, actually, um, Lynn Milner, who you guys have had on, and artist Henderson and I had a little, did like a little trip to Casadega. Do you know Casadega? Uh Uh-uh okay I love Casadega it's this like old spiritualist colony in central Florida and, oh. you, and you can go there and I was thinking can... it was
1: a Mexican restaurant no, Coral. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's way cooler
2: <laughs> no no yeah I love Mexican restaurants too but Casadega is pretty magical so it's a
1: what is had it's, in, it's in Volusia a, a, a mystical colo- what a did spiritualist. You call it a spiritualist yeah
2: spiritualist co- uh, colony like I think it was like the and they do karaoke colony. there well <laughs> so we were there for the spiritualism and, and like psychic readings just because it's me.
0: the psychic capital of the world
2: wow yeah. I didn't know of the world yeah
0: whole town of psychics
2: they are there's like a whole they hear of us right town now. of right yes. <laughs> now
3: so
1: karaoke okay so...
2: <laughs> <laughs> so whole town of psychics
3: karaoke right.
2: Casadega after dark there's like at the Casadega hotel there's karaoke and um like we were talking, Lynn, Artis, and I were talking about like uh, what karaoke song we could do. But then Artis got tired, so she went home. But Artist's song was like Country Roads. And so uh, Lynn and I were like, oh, we decided to stick around and we're like, maybe we should do the karaoke. And so we did Country Roads. And Casadega, and that was my only karaoke, and it was pretty bad, but it was fun. Okay.
1: (laughs) Maybe you'll have another opportunity.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: If you were a championship wrestler, what would be your song that you would enter the arena
2: to? Oh, my gosh. What's, like, maybe Eye of the Tiger, though that seems a little cliche. It's a little on the nose. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But it could be your song. Okay. What's your wrestler name?
2: Oh my gosh. Okay, so one of my nicknames was like Mean Green Janine. So I could also use it as a name. Why didn't you bring names. that up before? <laughs> but it didn't stick. It was, I made like chocolate chip cookies and put green food coloring in them when I was a kid. And so it was like one person, it was like a very temporary nickname.
1: If you were a cocktail or drink of some kind, what would it be? If it was, you know, if it had, it represents your essence.
2: Hmm. What what is the green stuff? Uh, absinthe. Absinthe, absinthe yeah. yes. Some kind of like absence infused seltzer water. Like not too much, just a little bit. <laughs> like not pure absinthe, just like infused with it.
1: Have you come across much absinthe in your day?
2: <laughs> no, I, I tried.
1: It. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like something just... you'd have to be in, in Argentina or France for.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've, yeah, yeah. No, I haven't. But I I think they sell, I'm, I'm not sure, but I feel like they sell some version of it now.
0: Yeah, it, it used. It was until until 2007 illegal in the states but uh, i guess i haven't checked it's since now legal 2007. again to import yeah huh
4: i don't like it <laughs>
0: that's licorice chasing, i had it when so. i went to france yeah. as well
4: was, yeah the presentation with the sugar and everything and
0: no. it's a lot it's a it's a whole thing I'm not, yeah I'm not a black licorice. Fan. yeah
4: yeah
1: what would your cocktail be called
2: oh gosh I like the word elixir, but I don't feel like that's a popper. That's like not specific enough. Mean gene.
1: <laughs> if, if I
0: if
2: I
1: can <laughs> if I can impose, yes.
0: they call it the green fairy, so you oh. could it could be the mean fairy. The
2: mean fa- Oh, I like it. The mean green fairy. Mean I like mean fairy. it. The mean green, green. fairy-ish.
1: <laughs> Do you have any TV theme songs that you know the words to that if we pulled it up on YouTube, you could sing along?
2: Maybe the Golden Girls? I don't know. That's possible. <laughs>
1: let's give it a shot okay. time.
2: <laughs> thank you for being, being a friend, friend. traveling down, down the road and back again, again. Your, your heart is true, true. you're your a friend, friend and a confidant
1: we're doing good, this is right, good. good. This is...
2: <laughs> and if you threw a party <laughs> go. Hey. invited everyone <laughs> you, you knew, knew. You would see the biggest gift from me, and the card attached would say, thank you you for being a a friend. friend. Big Golden Girls fan. (laughs) I was. I really liked the Golden Girls.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What wasn't to like about it? I
2: know. I know. I need to go back and watch it.
4: The classic question. So, which Golden Girl do you
2: most identify with? Oh, my goodness. I don't feel like I identify...
4: I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, <laughs> you know? with any of them. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you, Richard?
0: <laughs> uh, I'm Who are, are you, Lynch. Richard? It Richard no, are you? I'm mom, um, which is uh, um, Sophia. the yeah, Sophia is the old like the mom, right? You're not like yeah I'm, yeah, I'm crotchety and old.
2: Yeah. Maybe a little Dorothy. Like I kind of like Dorothy's yeah. like sweetness, and like she's just strong and kind of like sarcastic. I like your sarcastic, <laughs> The dry wit. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um. If you had to guess, what song would you say you've listened to the most times in your life?
2: Hmm. Maybe Canon, (laughs) indeed.
0: Used to work a lot of weddings. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was a song that kind of drew me back to wanting to. play violin again so i listen to it a lot it was of like one course. of the calming that's you know? because
0: violins get like the only part of that song that's like interesting and, and i love that song but like everybody else is just kind of holding it down for, yeah a like, hundred <laughs> measures
2: that's my goal is to be able to play canon indie again so
1: you mentioned at the beginning of the show that you listened to classical on our hd channel yeah. when, did, when did listening to classical become part of your you know routine
2: It's always been honestly, yeah. Yeah, I think just playing classical music for a little bit poorly, (laughs) like, has made me appreciate it. So that's one thing my husband and I do like to do. Like, we'll go to like a chamber music concert, or we'll go to the orchestra and hear. um, So yeah, it's just always kind of in the background. It's my go-to. Like, it's a soothing. Like, if I'm reading as well, or we'll play it on Sundays.
1: You ever do any fiddling?
2: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, like Orange Blossom Special. That's uh-huh. also like <laughs> <laughs> That's got we those also crazy both enjoy fun that. Chords yeah, like bluegrass. Like whenever there's like a bluegrass concert in town, like we try to hit that up too. Because if I can think of like music in Florida that I like, it's like bluegrass. Like I like bluegrass. Kinda.
1: Alliance brings in some good bluegrass. Yeah, shows they do in the, in the Folds Theater there. Yeah, I used to run sound for those back in the day. And, nice, and those good times. Yeah. Um, Song you wish you could hear again for the first time.
2: Oh, that's a tough question. I don't know. Can I pass on that one? Yes. Okay.
1: (laughs) Album you wish you could hear again for the first time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think maybe maybe I'd go back to Space Oddity since it was kind of a formative. It was like the first album I really connected with.
1: Do you have a favorite song? No. If you could broadcast a song into the head of every person on the planet simultaneously, which song would you provide to them?
2: Oh, my gosh. These are really hard questions. (laughs) I don't know. It would be some song that would make everyone a little more kind and peaceful. But I'm not sure what that song would be.
1: Best album of all time in your opinion?
2: Mm. Uh again I think i I'm like I'm not a musical nerd enough to have like favorites and best. Like my cha- like my musical taste change so frequently. Um yeah. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs>
1: You're pretty bad at the speed round. <laughs> <laughs> I, know,
2: I am. I am. <laughs> I could have prepared more if I had the questions. No, the that's okay. The uh, speed uh, round uh, is that. not very speedy in my <laughs> That's not how it works.
1: Um uh, do you have a fourth song that almost made it uh onto the show that you had to cut? And if so, do you have like a real short version of the story?
2: Um Uh Yeah, there was another one like the it's um they said it's um by who is it by they said it's by Edith Edith Pf but i don't think it it is um je ne peux pas, it's like je ne peux pas travailler it's like i can't work i can't sleep i'm just going to smoke <laughs> it might require some googling
1: <laughs> what's
2: the story um I just like, ah, uh, that's like my, the existential dread side of me. Like sometimes there's just moments in life. Like you're like, you're just so overwhelmed and it's not a specific story, but it was like, um, well, it is kind of specific. Like once our second daughter was born, it, she was born in August, um, and our AC went out, and it was like I had a newborn at home, and it was just like, ugh, you know, like what are we gonna do? It's friggin' August. Like I was miserable, and uh, the lyrics are like, you know, you can't do anything, so just like have a smoke. And I don't smoke, but I just liked like <laughs> that. I just like that kind of attitude about life sometimes that. You know sometimes it just sucks but just like do what you can. <laughs> and, like
0: smoke. Did you say there was an artist for Was there a name that you had to go with that?
2: <laughs> it's um
0: just googling the lyrics. <laughs>
2: rough. Like je ne it's like um je film, maybe je film?
0: Oh, I'm I'm going to be
2: Let's see. We let... try to
0: google in French.
2: Okay. <laughs> but it's like uh, what's the what is the mm-hmm. It's like an American band. Though that's kind of co opted it, but they say it's by Edith Piaf, but it maybe isn't by Edith Piaf. Like, I looked up the historical background of it, um, and I um, can't think of their names right now.
0: Could the song be called Jifum?
2: It could be. The end, like, sometimes the NPR, um, <laughs> there's like an NPR guy who sometimes, Ari Shapiro, sometimes. Yes, Pink
1: Martini. Ari Shapiro plays with Pink Martini. Sometimes he sometimes.
2: guess, yeah, guess <gasps> with them. Yes. Mm.
1: That's nice. So this reminds you of being miserable after the birth of your daughter.
2: And just being like overwhelmed, but just, but it's a good song when you're having a day, and you're just like, like I can't do anything. It's like I can't work. I can't eat. I just want to forget. Then I just smoke. <laughs> <laughs> like I just love that aspect of it because it's so cheerful because you're just like, it's really kind of a song about depression too, you know, but it's just, it's, I like it because it's not depressed. <laughs>
1: um, okay. Uh, what would your 14 year old self think of you today?
2: Maybe like a little surprise, but I was always yeah, maybe I don't know.
1: Would she be surprised at as much traveling as you've done?
2: No, because I I gl- I dream. wanted to travel. Yeah, yeah. yeah, when I was a kid, I remember like a missionary came to speak to our church, and I was like, I want to be a missionary. And then I realized what missionaries did, like later in life, and I was like, I don't think I want to be a missionary. But then I thought about being like oh, maybe I want to be a foreign correspondent. But then I'm also, like, I kind of like the comforts of life of and not getting shot at, you know, so.
1: You only stay in a hostel so many times. Right, <laughs>
2: right. Like, I've got, yeah, I've gotten used to having nice beds and stuff, so.
1: Uh, okay, you've done it. It is time for you to recommend your three people.
2: Okay. Um, so it can be people who aren't local. It
1: can be anybody.
2: Okay. So John Neeson, he's my, he's like a super... He was my Mephiscopheles concert mate. Right, um, or who you skanked with. Who I skanked with, and we're still friends. And he's like a huge music death metal, so he'd bring a lot of interesting music to the table. And is he still in New York? Or? He's still in New York. Okay, uh-huh.
1: we have studio connection there.
2: Oh, nice. And I think he'd be up for it, too, because he would loves to talk about music. He would have, like, on your speed round, he'd know everything. Um, <laughs> Liz Keller, she's locally. Uh, she's a friend who I first met um, we were competitors when Marco had two bureaus. <laughs>
1: Fighting over the and dirt we, on Marco.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we're still friends. Is she
1: still doing journalism?
2: Um, She doesn't, but she's a writer, but she is, Um, I think it's okay to mention she's in the process of opening a bookstore. Oh, awesome. Yeah, independent. Hopefully, awesome. In the Naples. world needs more of Yeah, those. exactly, exactly. And so the last probably gotten I'm not sure if Artis Henderson would do it but have, um, but she would be she hasn't one. done it yeah Has you she, can ask her yeah <laughs> she'd be good too um, and my neighbor, she's a ping like a professional ping pong coach. Her name is Pervy. I don't know her last name, but the fact that she's a professional ping we pong coach. we don't
1: allow four recommendations okay, unless <laughs> the fourth one is a professional ping pong coach.
3: She, well, that's
2: the one I didn't know her last name. I didn't know her last name, so then I was like, I don't know if she officially counts. So, but she, yeah, she fascinating.
1: You get four. Okay. <laughs> okay, you did it. Do you have any final thoughts?
2: I don't think so. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I did remember my favorite story uh, that I've done as a journalist. Um, for Gulf Shore Life once, uh, I got an assignment to channel the voice of a stuffed crocodile at the Everglades Wonder Gardens. So my assignment was to write from this perspective of old Joe. So I got to like, Take on a voice of I kind of developed like a like taxidermy crocodile. <laughs> yeah, a oh, at first I thought
1: we were talking about like a plush animal.
2: No, no, it was a, <laughs> like it's there's a legendary. There was a legend. I think it was a crocodile, not an alligator. I, I'm not sure exactly, but he his he's in Everglades Wonder Gardens now, and his name is Old Joe. He's taxidermy. Familiar. Okay, <laughs> and. So my editor, um, David Sendler, at the time, uh, he said, can you write a story of the Everglades Wonder Gardens from the perspective of this taxidermied um, old Joe? And I was like, okay. <laughs> but it was so much fun. <laughs> so I developed my own voice for the dead crocodile. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you for doing this. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. It was fun.
0: We make three song stories at the studios of WGCU Public Media on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Mike Canary is co-creator and host. Richard Cinque is co-creator, producer, and host. Tara Calligan is our online content producer and host. Audio production is by Jared the Intern Gonzalez, and Chris Duffis is our executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For our parting tune this week, we're going back one year to episode 171 with Dongjin Kang. Dong Jing's an assistant professor at the Department of Communication and Philosophy here at FGCU, but her story takes us back to where she was born in Sichuan, China.
3: Getting up at 6.30 and going back to the dorm at 9.30 for a set schedule. My times of sneaking out to shop these illegally imported CDs yeah. and uh, wandering around the bars were basically during the weekend. One of these nights, I just uh, clamped over the fence again and uh, jumped out, uh, took a two-hour-long bus ride to the city center. Hmm. Under the bridge, there was a group of vendors riding bikes at the time. Um, the, one of the vendors told me, oh, these are not legal cities. They had another turn to describe this is a hidden market, black market mm-hmm. here. Um, one of these nights, I just found this cool cover a naked baby mm-hmm. swimming to grab that a dollar bill. Yeah. It was a yeah. dollar bill, a ten dollar bill. I don't really remember, but it's like a fishing a baby with a one dollar bill. That was a uh, really good art. And I said, okay, I took a look. Okay, it's Nirvana's. Oh, never mind. Oh, never mind. That sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> I grab it. But uh, another kid he grabbed that too. He said, I want that to the vendor. So I basically stare at him really hard. <laughs> he just walked away. Yeah. And okay, that's mine.
0: Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. My daughter came home one day and she said, "Yeah, we went and we saw the Monets today." And I went, "Monets? Yeah, we saw the Monets." I went, "Oh, the Monets." <laughs>